with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked with the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions for some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. This is the word of the Lord. Please write. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, 
and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth. You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the gospel of the Lord. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm finding that I'm find less in, less enjoyment in watching television, and I find myself reading more than I ever have. And it was about 10 years ago that I gave myself permission to read other than just theological kinds of works, okay? So one of the things that I like to read are uh, murder mysteries, the, the whodunits, okay? And usually the stories are, are fairly predictable. Uh, someone important, a baron or a baroness or a politician is murdered, and they find the body. And then the detector sleuth comes on the scene, and, and one clue after another starts to add up throughout the book. And amazingly, it's all put together, and finally, in the last chapter, they realize the culprit. And the person is arrested and fingerprinted, and the story is over. Well... In real life, murder is much less entertaining. Murder is scary. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired of, of turning the news on. And the senseless murders that we, we hear about day after day here in central Indiana. If you turn on the news tonight, chances are pretty good that someone right now is, is planning, is plotting to murder someone else and it'll be on the news. Well, God knew that this would be an issue for his people because of sin in our hearts. And so he gave us what we call the Ten Commandments. And those of you who have studied in confirmation or catechism classes, uh, the fifth commandment, is we, we number it the fifth commandment, says, you shall not what? What's it say? You shall not kill. You shall not murder. And so God knew that we needed this boundary. And, and so... What happens for us as Christians is I know you're already thinking, I can check that one off. I would never, ever kill somebody or murder someone. I've got that commandment down. But what we're going to do today in studying this, this, uh, this scene of Cain and Abel, the farmer uh, who killed his brother, and when we combine that with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to find out that we're all murderers. We're going to find out that killing a person is not just the actual deed of taking a person's life, snuffing out that life, that's murder all right. But anytime you embitter, anytime you hurt another person, anytime you call them a name, and even time you're even angry with another person, Jesus says, that's murder. Well, let's go back to that Old Testament story. We're, we're looking at memorable stories from the Old Testament. And today, uh, many of you already know this story. is from Genesis chapter 4. In the chapter just before this, we know that Adam and Eve, who had everything perfect in the Garden of Eden, disobeyed God. They wanted to go their own way and not God's way. And so as a result, they sinned, and then they passed that sin on to their kids, uh, Adam and Eve's family begins, as, as we all do, with the joyful birth of our firstborn. And for them, their firstborn was a little boy named Cain. And soon they are blessed with another son named, named Abel. Now, we don't know a lot about these boys, except that Cain grew up to be a farmer. 
he tilled the land, he, he worked the land, and sure enough, God blessed him with, with fertile crops. Abel, on the other hand, became a shepherd. He took care of sheep. So that as they grew up, when it came time for them to honor God with their offerings, with their sacrifice, Cain gave what he had, which was the first portion of his grain, of that which he produced from his farm. Abel, on the other hand, gave the first portion of his sheep, okay? And both of them gave, gave offerings or sacrifices. But we are told in verse 5 that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, what's going on? Why did God reject Cain's offering? There must have been something wrong. And it wasn't because he didn't have what was right to offer to God, but there must have been something wrong in his heart. There must have been something that, that caused him to think that his offering was a have-to and not a want-to. He was not giving his offering out of love for God. Once in a while, and don't be offended if I catch you doing this too, once in a while I have people say, well, pastor, I paid my dues this month at church. I says, what do you mean? He says, well, no, no, we're not a country club where you pay dues to belong, okay? Our offering is something that we joyfully give as a result, as a response to what, everything that God has given to us. And our offering is never something that is, is to be given under compulsion. It's something that we want to do out of love for God and the love for his mission to connect people to him and his love in Jesus Christ. And so there was an issue. There was an issue with Cain. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. In 1 John 3, we are told that Cain's actions were evil. Now, then we've got to go to the next step. How do you think that made Cain feel? Well, verse 5 says, Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Hebrew word for downcast is, is, is that his face fell. Have you ever seen someone who has a fallen face? It's a face that is filled with anxiety and anger. Someone who is so upset that you can just read it on their face. And that was the situation with Cain. So Cain, is, he's got this rage and he's pouting like a little child. So what does the Lord do as with parental concern? He pulls Cain aside for a little talk. And he says, Cain, why are you so angry? Why are you so downcast? Why is your face looking like that? So the Lord is asking Cain to probe his heart. God already knew what was angering Cain. It was jealousy. Jealousy. That's what jealousy does. Think back to your life at times when you were jealous. Uh, if you grew up in a family, when a brother or a sister got something bigger or better than you did, you felt jealous. Or when, uh, like me, you, you, you keep your cars running and, and, uh, for a long time and you're driving these old cars and your neighbor one day just pulls up with a brand new car in his driveway right next to you, okay? You start to feel jealous because you're comparing yourself with what others have. And sure enough, that's what Cain was doing. And he stomps his feet and he sulks and God says to him, Cain, if you do what is right, you will, not, will you not be accepted? He says, do what is right, Cain. Now, notice the Lord doesn't say, do your best. He doesn't say, Cain, try really hard. 
the Lord says, do what is right. In other words, Cain is, is responsible for his own actions. Cain is responsible for, 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 for his relationship uh, with his brother. Now, God warns Cain. He says about the, the, the consequence of this jealous attitude. He says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you and you must master it. Now, this is an intriguing description of sin. It's, 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 it's like an animal with, with, with sharp fangs and teeth that is just ready to pounce on its prey. That's what sin is like. And so God is giving Cain a warning. He's telling him, he says, sin is going gonna, is gonna to get you and you have to do something about it. He says, with my help, you can say no, you can master it. God says, you're vulnerable, Cain, but he, he doesn't heed God's warning. And in jealous anger, what does Cain do? He says, Brother Abel, let's go out into the field, verse 8. And while they were in the field, the Bible says that Cain attacked his brother. We don't have the details. He attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. It's almost, when I read this, the uh, first thing I thought is, Cain is throwing this whole idea of sacrifice or offering into God's face. God, you want to sacrifice? Here you go. I'm throwing it in your face. Here's my brother's blood. And Abel falls dead, becoming the first name on history's shamefully long list of murder victims. Now, foolishly, just like his parents, Cain thought he could hide this from God. But the fact is, again, we see that secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. And with Abel's blood as exhibit A, God presents adequate proof of the blood that's in the ground of Cain's first degree murder. And so the Lord says, things are going to be different for you, Cain. There's a curse now upon you. No longer will you be able to plant crops. The, the earth will not yield anything for you. And you will have to wander the earth. It'll be bad for you, Cain. And Cain says, well, Lord, this is too harsh. Whoever finds me will kill me. Now, I would say, tough luck, buddy. You are getting what you deserve. You killed your brother. There's going to be a response for that. There's, there, you can't just kill somebody and get away with it. But it's amazing here that God shows his character. God is a God of mercy and grace, and he shows it even in this lesson. And he says, if anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then it says, the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would be able to kill him. Now, that mark was not a mark of punishment. It was a mark of grace. It was a mark of protective blessing. And yet Cain, whose name re means received from the Lord, no longer basked in this living relationship with God. No longer did he enjoy presence with God. And he had to wander around the earth. His story is a tragedy. Now, we cringe at a horrible act like this of murder. And I know it's our human nature to say, I would never, ever do anything like that. And you're right. I don't believe you would. And yet Jesus comes to us and has something to say about this whole subject of killing and murder. 
And especially he's talking to people who were very pietistic and thought they were righteous and, and, and wouldn't do anything like this. And Jesus says, not so fast, my friend. He says in Matthew 5, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And whoever calls his brother a name like Raka. Now, I did some research on the name Raka. It's an Aramaic name, and it literally means in Aramaic, dumbhead. Okay? Now, in German, we had a different name for that. What was that? What is it? Dumkopf. You remember that? Yeah, see, you've been there. Right? He says, you, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Martin Luther, in his explanation of the fifth commandment, takes these words of Jesus and says, we are not to hurt or harm our neighbor in any way. That's what murder is. Anytime we hurt somebody with our words, with our attitudes, with our actions, we are just as murderous as Cain did with Abel. (laughs) Well, what can we learn from this today, from this story of Cain and Abel? Well, the first thing I was reminded of again of how sinful jealousy can become. Whenever we begin comparing ourselves to others, like Cain did with his brother Abel, jealousy soon follows. You know what it's like. We've all been there. Think about the things that you find yourself comparing with yourself with other people. We compare our looks. We compare our jobs. We compare our spouses. We compare our salaries. Uh, You know, we, we compare our kids. We compare our educations. We compare our houses, our cars, our vacations. We compare our retirements. We compare our inheritances. And what does all this comparing do for you? When we become jealous of others, not only are we breaking the fifth commandment, but we're also breaking the first commandment. Because what we are doing is a form of idolatry. When we compare others and start to grumble and say, God, why is it that they have this and I only have that? When we do that, we're saying, God, I'm not trusting you. I don't believe that you are big enough as my God to give me what I need. Even though you promise in your word that my God will, that you will supply all my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It doesn't look like you're doing a good job. And so not only are we breaking the fifth commandment, but we're breaking the first commandment and we're putting other things before God. The second thing that we see here is that jealousy often leads to anger. And anger is a disease in our soul. It's a root, the Bible says that, of bitterness. And when anger is ignored, it never corrects itself. Some things correct themselves, but not anger. If you've ever had a flat tire, did the flat tire correct itself? No. You had to get it fixed. In the same way, if anger gets into your, into your heart and into your soul, there's only one thing you can do. You have to let it go. It has to be, it has to be removed from you by God's grace That's why we are called to admit it. The Bible calls it confession. Otherwise, we're just, as the Bible says, we're lying or we're deceiving ourselves. Cain could not hide his anger. And it just foamed up into into murder and other terrible things. 
Anger cuts you off from your God and it cuts you off in your relationships. That's what we learned today. So confess it. The next thing that I learned, that we learned from this story, is that we need a mark of grace on us too. Remember, it was Cain after he had sinned, after he had killed his brother, and after he was cast from the presence of the Lord and told he would wander. The Lord put a mark of blessing, a mark of grace on him so that he would not be murdered by other people. Friends, you have a mark of grace on you too. It was in your baptism that the Lord came to you through the water and the word. And the pastor said, receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart. As one who has been redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We have a mark of grace on us that assures us that we don't have to live our lives comparing ourselves to other people. That God is sufficient to give us everything that we need. And that since he's taken care of our greatest need through his son, Jesus Christ, that he's going to give you everything that you need too. And we don't have to walk around being jealous, which often leads to anger. And we let it go and we receive God's daily grace and we remember every day who we are as a child of God. The mark of God's grace is on you. And it makes a difference. We were on a vacation recently where we uh, had a, uh, a time where we, we studied and looked at, with a guide, bald eagles. Now, bald eagles are interesting. They have talons that have barbs on their talons so that when they swoop down so powerfully upon their prey, they, they sink the talon into a fish or some other animal and it won't let go because of these barbs that are on the end of the talons. Well, the guide was telling us a story one time about a very bold, bald eagle who swooped down upon a king salmon. King salmon is the largest variety of salmon, and they're, they're big fish. And he swooped down and he sunk his talon into this great fish and then flapped his wings as, as hard as he could to try to take it off to the shore where it would become lunch. But this fish had other thing, things in mind. And so the fish, while the bird started to flap, tried to swim deep down into the water. And so there was this epic battle between a bald eagle and a king salmon. Who do you think won? The salmon did. The salmon went down deep, and because the eagle's talons were so barbed, were, were stuck in there, he could not let go, and he drowned to death. Friends, the world would tell you that it's okay to sink your talons into all the materialism, all the stuff, all the things of this world, and that you deserve more than what you've got now, and you continue to work at it, and sometimes we work ourselves even to death. But where does it get us? It gets us stuck sometimes. And yet by God's grace, God enables us to let go. We let go of our jealousies and our angers. And what does God do? He turns us around. So that instead of being jealous and anger with other people, here's the other side of the fifth commandment. We, God uses us to help our neighbor, to help them in ways that they need. 
to, instead, of, instead of being jealous of them and angry with them, God causes us to, to help people from the time of conception all the way to the time when the Lord calls us home to be with him. There's a famous question in this, uh, in this text. Am, am I my brother's keeper? Cain asks. And the answer is, by God's grace, we are. We are there to help and improve people's lives, not to be jealous of them or anger of them. You know, in our mission statement here at Cornerstone, uh, you've heard this so many times, we are called to reach out, care for them. What's the third thing we are called to do? Build. Not tear down, not sink our talons into other people, but to build them. And that's what we learned today. And yes, murder is on the rampage. Murder, not just the taking of lives, but what happens as people get angry and call each other names and as our faces become downcast and and upset with God because he's not good enough. God is good. And may he continue to turn us around so that we can build others up according to his grace. And we proudly wear the mark on our foreheads of who we are as a child of Christ. In his name, amen.